thousands and thousands of people were hitting our website and our website was just not fit for purpose for that and the website crashed and we had to upgrade the servers and we had thousands of emails coming in every day and no infrastructure and so there was me and Matt sitting around his kitchen table trying to manage all of this and talk to developers in Serbia and it was chaos. Welcome to our podcast series, Talk Straight, Think Smart with Howard Kennedy. My name's Adam Walford. I'm a partner at the firm and your host for this series. Our guest today is Jeremy Simmons, co-founder of Swingers, the popular restaurant, bar and crazy golf venue. Yes, we know what you're thinking, another podcast by a law firm. But this podcast isn't about us, it's about the people we're interviewing. Fun is a word you'll hear often in this episode of our podcast series. My guest today is Jeremy Simmons, and if you're based in London, chances are you've visited his brainchild, Swingers. Together with co-founder Matt Greg-Smith, they launched the business in 2016, bringing together exceptional food and drink, impeccable service and competitive fun in immersive venues. In this podcast, hear about how they've grown the business, dealt with exceptional high demand and expanded in the US during a pandemic. Hi Jeremy. Hi Adam. Thanks for taking part in our podcast. Absolute pleasure. So I know you well Jeremy, but some of our listeners may not know about you or your business. So Tell us about Swingers. So Swingers is a restaurant, bar, and crazy golf business. And we do this in, in a very theatrical and immersive way. We have two sites in London, and we are aiming to grow rapidly in the US. You're joining us from New York. How is everything out there? Uh, it's pretty normal, to be honest. Life is coming back, coming back fast. I mean, I took the subway to work today. I'm sitting in my office. So all things which I assume are fairly novel in the UK. But generally speaking, I have to say, we are experiencing life in a world which doesn't feel that dissimilar to pre-COVID. That's great to hear. And hopefully that's the way London's going to be soon. Certainly the uh, opening the outdoor dining is making it feel a bit like that. So. I very much hope so. My good. family are going slightly insane in the UK and obviously we have a fairly sizable business in the UK so we are incredibly excited by the prospect of the UK getting back to some sense of normality, whatever that looks like. For sure. Um, so I first met you a number of years ago um, when you were working on uh, Swingers West End. Um, but before we get on to business today, let's, let's go back to the beginning. Tell me a bit about you when you were growing up, some childhood experiences, whether you were entrepreneurially minded. Sure. Um, well, I, I come from a family of entrepreneurs. So my parents actually owned a touring company, which was the first open top bus touring company. So not a conventional business. And then there were all sorts of businesses happening inside our house from a very young age. So my mum ran a race nights business where you would record 
uh, horse races and send them out as corporate events and people would use uh, kind of fun you know uh, money in order to bet on these race nights and then the films would come back into the house and we'd have to check them and I was always sort of part of all these crazy businesses that were happening in our house so I think that really rubbed off on me uh, and from a a young age we'd always sit around the dining table and talk about things and way to improve these businesses so I think that definitely had an impact and at school I was always coming up with little schemes of how to make money whether it was trading football cards or I set up a car washing business and all these types of things and I was massively encouraged inside my house but you know that deep down I thought I was going to just enter into the corporate world my Dad eventually became an investment banker, and the expectation was that I would go and become, well, probably I was going to become a lawyer. That was really the the aim, I guess, or the ambition. Thank God you didn't. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm thankful you're my lawyer. Uh, You definitely make a better lawyer than I would have. Um, But I, I then went to university and my entrepreneurial kind of career started there and it's all been a bit of a happy accident but it definitely nothing in my career has been planned at all it's all been just a natural flow to this point so that's that's really interesting so university obviously you you started rough hill with matt greg smith um so tell me about about how that came about were you and matt friends before or how did the conversation start so I went to university in Leeds and I had a very good friend in Leeds uh, called Ryan and the two of us are sitting around um, in our dorm bedroom talking about how we're going to make some money, um, which obviously was you know, a topic which is quite familiar to me having come from this quite entrepreneurial household and I at the time had eight hours of lectures a week which was quite amazing having come from school where you know every hour of every day is planned out so we're talking and ryan had a friend called barry who was the manager of a nightclub in leeds and we decided let's let's speak to barry let's hire this nightclub let's go and get our friends together i had some very good friends in london who were starting out in a music career at the time and so had access to djs um, and break dancers and all this stuff that we thought was cool at the time. Uh, and we put this night on, made some flyers, and you know we didn't social media didn't exist then. Started texting people saying you should come to come to this night. And the night was called Embrace. It was at a club called the Fruit Cupboard. And hey presto, this in this on this Thursday evening, a thousand people turned up to this nightclub. Wow! And it was an incredible atmosphere and at the end of the night we're counting all the cash that came in and we were just astounded you know at this we were just what is going on we've suddenly got a thousand pounds each in our pocket like this actually could be something so we go back and talk to Barry and say Barry do you think we could have the club every Thursday night to do this and Barry goes, yeah, definitely. He'd never seen anything like it. He's normally used to making money on Friday, Saturdays. And so he gave us this nightclub every Thursday night. And every Thursday night, a thousand people turned up at this nightclub. And it escalated from there until we grew a 
fairly substantial business where at one stage you were running 20 events a week um, all around the country. And at this point, we, I met Matt, and Matt was a, um, a more, even more successful, or much more successful nightclub um, promoter than me in Manchester. And he wanted to open his business in Leeds, and I helped him do that. And gradually, 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 we got to know each other very well, and we put our businesses together and the rest is history. We've been working together for over 15 years and the business merged into something else and we then left that and we went into swingers and it's all been a, an interesting journey, shall we say, from there. So, so you've met Matt. You've been spending a lot of time in nightclubs, enjoying yourself with thousands of other people. Um, and then Swingers comes about. So t- tell me about the start of that and the thought process behind it. So our nightclub business morphed into a marketing business and we were, we were attracting thousands of young, young people a week into our nightclub events. And what we really understood was uh, our key competency really was about attracting young people, understanding how they behaved, um, and that became a business angle in its own right. So we started talking to brands and saying, we can do some consultancy work for you, helping you understand the behavior of young people and ultimately allowing you to attract young people in a kind of credible and authentic way. So we set, we set up a marketing agency and that grew and then we eventually sold that business to VCCP which is part of Chime PLC. We did an earn out there for three years and in the end of that journey we were really scratching our heads to be honest and thinking what is the next part of this journey going to be? Are we going to carry on working together? We really wanted to. We massively enjoy working with each other and each other's company but we didn't really have an idea. Um, and then over a conversation with a friend this idea emerged for a crazy golf cocktails and burgers and if you put that together in a cool environment could it be something and we were thinking about it more in terms of an event or even a brand activation and then the idea grew and grew and grew and we thought maybe this could be a venue so that was really the beginning of Swingers, and we launched it as a pop-up, and it has been a wild ride. And how 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 did you go about starting it up? So you did the pop-up, but did was there funding in the background, or did you use your own funds? How, how did you go about setting up? So we had a bit of cash um, ourselves from the sale of our previous business, so a substantial amount of the money came from ourselves. And then we did a very small friends and family round in the beginning um, to fund the pop-up. And then the last strand of funding was from alcohol brands. So we got some alcohol brand sponsorship and we had relationships with these brands from, again, from our marketing days. Right. And that was those three sources of funding came together to, to get the pop-up off the ground. And, and when you were trying to get the pop-up off the ground, what, what was the biggest hurdle you had to overcome? Well, 
I think the fact that we did it in an 8,000 square foot leaky warehouse in Shoreditch where we were trying to understand how you put ultimately, we had to create a venue, a proper bona fide venue in a, in a building which I say was leaky, had all sorts of issues, and we needed to put kitchen extract in there, we needed to put HVAC in there. It was, it was a real technical challenge. Um, and bizarrely, one of the biggest challenges was managing demand. We'd sat there thinking about what do we do if people aren't interested and how do we stoke demand? But we actually had the opposite problem. We launched this thing with a skeleton infrastructure and the demand was insane. And we sold out our full run of five months within the first 10 days. Amazing. But thousands and thousands of people were hitting our website and our website was just not fit for purpose for that. And the website crashed and we had to upgrade the servers and we had thousands of emails coming in every day and no infrastructure. And so there was me and Matt sitting around his kitchen table trying to manage all of this and talk to developers in Serbia and, it was chaos, but we got there, we quickly scaled up, and it was a really, really fantastic pop-up that really set the tone for the whole of Swingers moving forward. Great. And so when you've set up the business, obviously all of that's come together a bit quicker than, than you expected, but have you made a conscious effort to seek values or purpose within the business? So... On day one, we were very clear that our business was all about fun and bringing people together for fun social experiences. And so I'd, I'd say that we don't have you know, a long list of corporate values, but fundamentally we are a, a customer-centric business and the experience of the, of the customer was, has always been front and center. And so everything that we've done has always been in, uh, with the lens of how do we ensure that people are having fun, sociable experiences? And that really bleeds through every part of our brand, every part of our communication. Um, and it, uh, we look at it through the lens of whether people are, are experiencing us for the first time online or in the venue or our communications post coming to Swingers, are we still live delivering that element of fun and playfulness and creativity? That's really interesting. I, I mean, I've visited the venues and so I'm aware how uh, sort of social media friendly elements of them are. Sure. What, was there a big um, sort of evolution for that since your business has coincided with social media explosion? Was there a big sort of um, development on that between Swingers City and West End? Not really. I think a lot of this is kind of happy accidents or a merge of experiences over years of, you know, myself and Matt have been in marketing for years, I've been putting events on for years, and so it comes, it's intrinsic that we create highly um, attractive places that people can be in, but also f that photograph really well and therefore lend themselves to being posted on social media. So. I think it's just baked into our DNA that, that those are the types of environments that we create yeah. and it, it hasn't been kind of forced and thinking, oh, that would be a nice selfie moment and that would be a really great Instagrammable um, area of the venue. Yeah. And we ultimately just love the creative process. So that's why we got so excited about Swingers early days because 
it's so interesting. It's got such a big creative backdrop and we could let our creativity run wild. We have a phenomenal um, design team in our business mm -hmm. and together we collaborate and basically just get to have a lot of fun and have come up with crazy ideas of what about we create a bar that looks like a 1920s bandstand? What about we create a bar that looks like a, a vintage hotel? And we get to do it and it's great fun. <laughs> So that's, that's great. The business is going well. Both sites are open, trading nicely, and then comes 2020. So um, when COVID-19 hit, when did the impact of it first register um, for, for you? So we were sitting in our regular senior management meeting in back end of January, early February. And I actually have a, had a friend who had traveled to China to do some business and he'd rung me to say, this is no joke. There is something happening which you, you know, really need to be aware of. And I think this is going to have a huge impact. And he's, he's been speaking to business owners throughout China. And so we start and obviously the press was gathering pace at this point in the UK about this virus, which was... Uh, emerging from China and so we started talking about it and keeping an eye on it and uh, and wondering what this really meant and obviously by March we'd got the government directive that we had to close the business and so we're sitting there having come from a growth mode and scale-up mode suddenly to having zero sales coming through and at this point you know, the furlough scheme hadn't been announced uh, we are having conversations with our banks because clearly we're going to breach our banking covenants and just trying to understand it all. But it was incredibly scary, daunting, uh, stressful period in that kind of Q1 period of last year. But gradually, 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 you know, things emerge, you create a plan, you create a strategy and things calm down. But yes, it was a, a very unpleasant period at the beginning of last year. And, and in the middle of all of that, you're trying to, sorry, my printer's just gone. <laughs> I, think, I think this might even be just coloring in. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that it's actually anything important. We'll just see, hold on. Sorry about that. Hopefully it won't no. happen again. So, no um, so it's great. So, and in the middle of all of this, you're starting to grow and you have some very exciting growth plans that you were implementing sure. in, including involving you moving to to the US so how has it been as a Brit in the middle of COVID trying to expand a business in the US? Well, it's been a, a schizophrenic journey so obviously moved over here and had a very clear plan about let's launch our first venue in Washington DC, let's then move to our second venue in the US in New York, had very, very ambitious plans. And then COVID hits and throws all of our funding into disarray. And so to, to begin with, as I say, it was very daunting, but we're incredibly fortunate in that we have phenomenal partners in our business. So we did a funding round and our friends and family investors 
left and were replaced by an institutional investor called Kane International. And they've been unbelievably supportive and over this period of time where we had to create a plan about how we could recover, you know, fundamentally that's about how you recapitalize the business and how you move forward from a position of financial strength. And they agreed with us that you know, this has been devastating and there's so many sad human stories that come out of COVID, but from a, from a purely commercial perspective for a business like ours, this really represents a unique opportunity and we collectively agreed as a group that now was the time that we had to accelerate and we had to actually put additional funding into the business not just to survive but to actually grow and so it's been a, and it's been a journey and we didn't get there overnight but over the past year we're coming out of this feeling optimistic and we are in a position where actually we are back thinking about growth and thinking about quite aggressive growth, particularly in the US. Mm-hmm. So it's been, it's been interesting. And from on a personal level, it's been fascinating because, you know, fundamentally our core business is in the UK and we're facing all these challenges and a majority of the challenges exist in the, existed in the UK. And, that, and I've been incredibly isolated from the business and I have not been able to travel for various COVID-related reasons and the restrictions on travel. And so we started running the business largely through Microsoft Teams and Zoom meetings and all these, these tools, which has been really, really challenging. And our head office team in the UK, obviously, are working from home. And for a large part of this, I was the only member of, of the team in the US. Mm. And we're trying to work out the time difference and how and how we engage in a way that's productive but it's been it's been interesting but now we're in our groove and we've got a and we have a proper infrastructure set up in the US and our team's coming back online in the UK and it feels like a whole new world but it's it's been a very very interesting and uh, learning experience the last the last year trying to understand how you bridge that gap and we obviously had not anticipated it would have to be in this very very disparate manner where everyone was slightly disconnected and we wouldn't be able to get on planes and actually have that physical face-to-face connection and and do you think that some of those changes that you've made uh, are here to stay over the longer term i mean i for one am a huge believer in the power of bringing people together and having face-to-face interaction i say that doing a podcast with you and being <laughs> on zoom but um but i i believe that there the notion that you can run a business and do it majority through Teams or Zoom or virtual meetups, I just don't believe in that. And so I, we have a, a belief in our business that we want to get people back together as quickly as possible. That said, we've always given our staff a lot of flexibility in terms of you know, we're not watching the clock and making sure that people put FaceTime in in the office. Ultimately, we get the work done and we give people a lot of trust um, in order to manage their own time. And if they do want to work from home for periods of time, that's fine. But the notion that the office is dead and we're all going to now work just virtually, I'm, I just don't buy that argument. And I believe that a lot of people are going to come to that conclusion over the next few months. Yeah, I agree. And there's been a few stops and starts with COVID and opening and 
closing again and so on. Have you had to be very agile as a business? Is, is agility something that you've actively sought? Yeah, definitely. I mean, in the early days, we started thinking about almost enviously looking at businesses that could pivot and set up different channels within their business, whether they could package their product up and send it to people in a box or do a delivery. But fundamentally, we're a convening business and we create social experiences inside highly curated venues. And so we quickly realized that, you know, you can't put swingers in a box and send it to someone. It's not going to work. So we couldn't pivot in that way and, and be agile in those terms. But in terms of adapting and working practices and innovating and keeping our teams ultimately feeling like that we are still building for the future, even though we're in a different environment, that's, that's necessitated a huge amount of agility. Uh, and those, that resourcefulness and that flexibility, I think, are traits which hopefully you know, will stand us in good stead as we move forward as a business. So at the end of every podcast, we like to do a quick fire round. Don't overthink, just say what feels right. Sure. So what's your favorite hole at Swingers? So we have just built two new courses in our new swingers in Washington, D.C. And hole nine of course two in Washington, D.C. is completely bonkers. It is a giant oversized grandfather clock which rises eight meters uh, through through a, a void in the ceiling and pops up on a ground floor bar and... It was built in a in a factory in the UK and shipped to Washington DC, wow. and it's absolutely amazing. And I think that one is is the most exciting hole we've ever built. That sounds amazing. <laughs> yep. Is Zoom here to stay or going to be a distant memory? Here to stay, but hopefully not as present in our lives as it is now. Would you rather grow your business, sell your business, or start again? grow my business I am way too tired to start again patty and bun or pizza pilgrims wow that's tough I obviously love both brands but given I've known Joe the founder of patty and bun since I since he was 12 and I was 15 I have to say patty and bun I think Joe will be disappointed that he's not won that one on product alone but we'll keep going with that um, <laughs> What would you invest more in right now, people or tech? People, every day. And when it comes to decision making, are you perfection every time or launch and learn? Launch and learn. I really believe that perfection actually can be your enemy and speed is key in these types of businesses. Couldn't agree more. Well, all that leaves is for me to say thank you for joining us today. It's been fantastic to hear your story. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. So there you have it. Good food, great experiences and crazy golf. A winning combination. This podcast was recorded in April 2021 as the UK's COVID restrictions started to ease. Don't forget to subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your content 
to find out which inspirational entrepreneur we're speaking to next. (laughs) 